Today we're talking healthcare within the Illinois prison system. And I'll tell you, this could be its own season of a podcast. This could be its own podcast, okay? Because healthcare within Illinois prisons is a mess. So Illinois hires it out to uh, Wexford Health Sources, which is a for-profit company that's coming in and just taking billions of taxpayer dollars and giving the absolute worst health care possible. I also did find that 30% of employees per Glassdoor.com would recommend working at Wexford Health Sources to a friend. That means 62% of their employees do not recommend working for the place. That seems very high to me. Uh, 26% of employees have a positive outlook for the business. 74% of their employees do not have a positive outlook for the business at Wexford Healthcare Sources, but Illinois still hires them and still pays them billions of dollars to give subpar, absolute bottom tier healthcare services to incarcerated people. That's crazy. Anyway, I'm ranting. Later in the episode, I give a couple stories from some sources online that go into just the surface level of what this company has done. And we talked to two guys who touch on their own experience with healthcare uh, within the prison system. These guys combined have about 40 years um, of incarceration time. So let's get on to the episode. Now, of course, again, these are real conversations with people in prison, and they're speaking on prison phones, which do not have great quality. I'm sorry, I can't control that. Uh, I do my best to edit out any of the worst of it, but it is what it is. Any attempt to add a third party to any call from Illinois DOC will result in inmate disciplinary action. about the medical conditions and the ability to receive medical in IDOC and the struggles I have, I have had of uh, doing so. Recently in this facility, uh, since uh, COVID, the way that the system is working here is very, uh, very minimal. Um, I don't know if it's because of the way things were going with COVID or, you know, there's just been a, a lack of participation on the side of uh, the medical staff to accommodate the facilities or this facility. The thing, some of the things that I've had issues with, they've taken, you know, a, a, a more than unusual time to get to me. They don't have a and this facility, they don't have a, a, a full-time position to see us for different issues. I had some uh, bumps all over my, my chest, body area, skin rash. It took me six months to see the doctor. And when I did, the rash was gone. It was a side effect of the medication. But I didn't, 
realize it until I actually stopped taking medication, herb pill or something like that. I had uh, recently just been going to try to get my, my hand fixed because I have numbness from my wrist down all the way through my fingers. I was sent out at the beginning of this year to my left hand because I actually had an injury. I had a big lump on my palm of my hand. So they gave me a cortisone shot for that, and they said that I probably need follow-up to give me another shot. They haven't done that yet. And how long has that been? Six months. So, you know, I'm doing the, you know, the grievance process. It was, it was deemed an emergency four times. And they, they tell me now that at first they told me that there was no medical director for Wexford to schedule the appointments. Well, then, then I was told recently when I saw the, when the nurse sick call that they now have a medical director. Okay, so I'm thinking, okay, now they're gonna schedule my uh, surgery, which they told me I was approved for. And I'm on a list for it. So I, I wrote the grievance and my counselor who I consulted with, he tells me, you're not scheduled for any medical protocol. You're not on the waiting list for any surgery. Wait a minute, that's what they just told me. And I was scheduled for kind of waiting list. But now that they have a doctor that's the medical director for the region, I was, you know, hoping that I would finally get my, my surgery. So, you know, I can't feel my hands again. But it's more so that the pain I'm experiencing for the back takes one. That's what's really getting to me, you know. But it seems like now, the way the counselor responded, saying that, you know, they don't, that there's no schedule for me to go to surgery. Can you explain what a grievance is in, in that process? Okay, well, grievance is a way to make a, a complaint to this administration to get them to uh, acknowledge your problem. And then, you know, if it's supposed to force them to do something about it. They just told me now that they said that they don't have jurisdiction to schedule the appointment. They're off the hook as long as they do what they're supposed to do. And really what they're telling me is I'm approved and I'm you know, waiting on a waiting list, but it's not our problem. How is it not your problem? They still don't have a doctor, a full-time doctor. It, it takes three to six months to see the doctor. Before COVID, how long did it take to get in to see the doctor? Well, I would see it would only take a week or two to see the doctor. And now it's six months? So they're, they're so backed up now because they haven't had a doctor for a long time that... Uh, you know, it takes a long time to actually see the doctor. They won't give me any other pain medication that helps, you know, calm the, the pain in my hand. You know, it's like a, it's like a burning, sharp pain. It's pulsing, and, and, you know, and I can't even do certain things. I barely, do, you know, do my job. I'm only doing that because I don't want to lose uh, uh, my position. That's, like I said, it's hard for me to get a job. So I don't want to lose the only position I had that, that I can, I can um, you know, do here in the DOC. So I can't afford to not go to work, you know. 
you know it's painful. I'm living through the pain. There's a lot that I could share with you based on what I've read of Wexford and what I've heard from incarcerated people who have been dealing with trying to get medical care. But there's been so much written already that I think it's best if I just share with you some of what I found online. This first portion comes from WBEZ Chicago at WBEZ.org. Despite horror stories and deaths, will Illinois keep expensive prison health care company? As the Wexford Health Sources contract expires, experts worry the state is likely to continue paying big dollars for poor care. This was written July 6, 2023, so at the time of this recording, that's less than a month ago. It says healthcare behind bars in Illinois comes with heavy financial and human costs. Since 2011, Illinois has paid Wexford Health Sources, a private company, well over a billion dollars to provide medical care to people in the state's prisons. During that time, a federal judge determined the care was so poor it violated the U.S. Constitution, and an independent monitor has released reports documenting deaths from substandard medical care. Wexford's shortcomings could be measured in numbers. 50% of the health care providers' jobs in Illinois are unfilled. Three Wexford doctors lack the proper credentials. Patients in need of dental fillings at one prison are on a 104-week wait list. And in a review of 17 deaths, an outside monitor found that medical staff gave two prisoners medications that contributed to their death. Or you could measure the failings in the horror stories. James Cox lost vision in his left eye after a fellow prisoner hit him with a book. But medical staff refused to fix it because of Wexford's one good eye policy, which at the time allowed for care to be denied as long as the prisoner has, as the policy's name implies, one good eye. A man with mental illness told medical staff he had swallowed two plastic utensils and needed them removed. But instead of providing care, the plastic remained in his body, literally tearing him from the inside. He lost 24 pounds in a single month, and then he died. In another case, Wexford staff discontinued maintenance chemotherapy for a survivor of brain cancer. After the cancer reappeared, staff took months to schedule surgery, but it was too late. He passed away. Wexford's tenured contract with Illinois expired in 2021, but the company continues to provide the care in prisons. The state is seeking bids for a new contract, which offers a key moment when Illinois could make a change and rethink its prison health care, but advocates worry Wexford or another similar profit-driven company will win the deal and essentially continue the status quo. I put in for sick call, you got to put in request. And I mean, they call me the sick call, but they just tell me, well, we'll put you on the doctor line. I've been put on the doctor's, on the doctor's line like four different times and still ain't never been called. It's been, I can't even remember. I remember it's been, that's how long it's been. It's been so long, I can't remember the first time I put in. When did you request that release of information? It's been over a month. When you told me to write for and ask for it, mm-hmm. I wrote that night. And then I didn't get it, and then I wrote two weeks later. And I still ain't never got it. It's been over a month. You've requested it how many times? Twice? Two times I have. For healthcare, press four. Please hold on while I try that extension. 
I called you about a month ago um, trying to get information from my uncle and you told me to have him fill out a form for an ROI, I think, a release of information. And he's done that twice now in the past month and he's gotten nothing. Uh, what's his name? Would you like his number? Yes, please. Okay. There is a 30-day waiting period uh, after the ROI is received before they receive their records. Okay, but you have received the ROI, right? Not offhand. Even though he's requested it twice, is where is it going before it gets to you? Who's it go through? It goes through the mail. Okay. Is it typical uh, for things to take a month for the mail to take a month? No, it absolutely should not. Okay. What needs to be done to remedy this? I will get him his records as soon as I can. I'm sorry that it's taking a while. Okay, and I was also told that Wexford has someone new in their administration leading things now. I think before I was told that was the reason there was no doctor. Is that correct, or is that being changed? There still is no doctor, and the DON quit. The DON there at that facility or with the whole company? No, just this facility. There's no doctor and there's no nurse currently? No, we have nurses. Just no direct. Is that going to delay care in any way or I mean how does her uh, leaving how does her leaving affect things I'm going to transfer to our healthcare administrator because she can uh, help you more okay I appreciate that thank you Hi, I was just told um, I'm trying to help my uncle who's incarcerated there um, get some care that he's been waiting a while for. And I was just told that the DON has quit and there's no doctor. And my question was, you, since you do still have nurses, how is the DON leaving going to affect things? Um, is that going to cause more of a wait? So she transferred me to you. Okay. Uh, who's your uncle? His. Uh, would you like his name or number? Yes. Nick both, please. The number is... His name's... Not a name I hear often or get requests from often. So okay. what are his issues? Um, mainly back issues. He's had surgery on it in the past, and it's causing him pain again. Um, and he's I think he's hoping for an MRI to see if they can um, identify any n- new or additional issues um, that they can fix. But he's, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the wait time that everyone's experiencing right now, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the DON not being here, um, it's, it shouldn't affect or extend the backlog um, anymore. Uh, we are still completing our sick calls rather quickly. The problem is we only are given available hours from Wexford as they have them. Mm-hmm. So I have a limited number of physician hours per week, and due to the number on the backlog, we have some that, you know, have been referred months ago that, you know, need seen, and I can only, um, you know, prioritize, you know, who goes to the doctor based on, you know, the the need, whether it's, you know, an emergency situation, which we can still treat emergencies. But, you know, I have to put those emergent ones in front of, you know, just, you know, non-emergent issues. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I can check uh, your uncle's chart and uh, see like if he's been seen in sick hall, how he's been treated, mm-hmm. and you know what previous orders. Those allotted hours that Wexford's giving you, what is that averaging a week? Approximately twelve. Twelve hours a week. I've heard. I've I've just read a lot of horror stories with Wexford, so it's it's concerning. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, let me look into his chart and see what I can find out. Um, I'll see if you know he's you know been seen as per request. If he's how many times he's been referred, all of that. Because um, I do you know send on information up hired off health services in Wexford when needed when people are you know constantly not being seen due to time constraints or rescheduled or, you know, if the RN actually referred okay. as appropriate, okay? Okay, I appreciate your but, information and your okay. help. All right, no problem. Thanks so much. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. This next portion comes from chicagoreader.com, and it gives some insight into the policies and manuals of Wexford. The headline reads... Inmates are extremely manipulative. Hundreds of lawsuits against Wexford Health Sources, a for-profit medical corporation operating inside Illinois prisons, allege substandard care. An employee handbook describes how clinicians were trained to be skeptical of incarcerated patients. This was written May 17, 2023, so again, very recently. Although a program of comprehensive medical care is required, Not every diagnosis mandates treatment, says a handbook issued by Wexford in 2008. And then they give a content note. This story contains descriptions of death in prisons, including suicide. On July 16, 2010, at 11 p.m., Jeremy started sweating. He walked to the healthcare unit inside the Lawrence Correctional Center, a medium-security men's prison in southeast Illinois, where he was serving a 14-year sentence. The facility sits about 90 minutes from Terre Haute, Indiana. Jeremy told the healthcare workers inside the prison clinic that the left side of his chest hurt. Tammy Troyer, a nurse of the facility, took his blood pressure. It was an alarmingly high 172 over 105. Doctors consider healthy blood pressure to be below 120 over 80. Troyer picked up the phone and called Dr. James Finoglio, Lawrence's medical director, for a consultation. Thirty minutes later, the two providers sent Jeremy back to his cell. They did not listen to his chest, offer him aspirin or oxygen, or take a full medical history, according to a complaint Jeremy's family filed in court in 2011. The details of Jeremy's story come from that complaint. In their response to the complaint, Finoglio and Troyer denied the allegations and said Jeremy's blood pressure lowered sufficiently before they sent him back to his cell. Jeremy stayed in his cell for the next hour, but by 12.30 a.m., he hobbled back to the clinic. He told Troyer that he felt a squeezing sensation in his chest and that his pain was an 8 out of 10. Troyer took his blood pressure again. It was 188 over 112. She called Finoglio again. After another hour passed, the two sent Jeremy back to his cell. Two hours later, at 3.20 a.m., Jeremy returned to the clinic for a third time. My chest still hurts on the left side, he said. According to the federal complaint, he told them he was still in pain and short of breath. This time, Troyer did not call Finoglio, and after a 10-minute visit, she sent Jeremy back to his cell. The next morning, Jeremy was dead. 
An autopsy concluded he had died of a heart attack. Troyer and Fenoglio both worked in a prison operated by the Illinois Department of Corrections. Private prisons are illegal in the state, but neither of them was employed by the IDOC. Instead, they worked for Wexford Health Sources, a privately held for-profit medical corporation based near Pittsburgh. Troyer and Fenoglio did not respond to requests for comment sent to personal and professional social media pages. Over the last decade, with very few exceptions, Wexford employees have provided all health care to incarcerated people in Illinois. Between 2011 and 2021, Illinois paid the company nearly $1.4 billion of taxpayer money to provide medical care inside every prison in the state. And although the company's contract was set to expire in 2021, it's been extended multiple times since to the tune of nearly $418 million. Wexford has hired 123 lobbyists across the country over the last 16 years, 71 of whom currently operate in Illinois, according to Open Secrets, a national organization that tracks campaign finance contributions. The company disputes these numbers. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, even just a little bit, click like and follow, share with your friends, and if you know someone who's incarcerated who would like to have a conversation, reach out at prisonconversations at gmail.com.